The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Gabby, and welcome to What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. I'm the founder of What's Gabby Cooking, a food website. I'm a best-selling author, and now I'm a podcast host. What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking-related questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and so much more. Plus, every episode, I'm going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, since we're all limiting the amount of time we spend at the grocery store. So without further ado, this is What's Gabby Cooking in Quarantine. Hi, guys. Happy Monday. Happy 59th day of quarantine, at least for us. If you went down on March 13th, you're at 59, which is obviously one day away from 60. And I'm throwing myself a party at home by myself tomorrow. Like what is, wow, wow. Who knew this was going to last so long? I hope everyone is still staying safe. And I haven't seen another human in a very long time. <laughs> you guys are really going to get an airful today. I'm very excited to be here. Okay, let's get into it. We have lots to talk about. I can't wait and stay tuned for Wednesday's episode because we have a very special guest. Her name is Mom, Mama Dalkin. She's coming and we're talking about all the things. But until then, here we go. Let's talk about quarantine stuff. Hi, Gabby. My name's Katie from Nashville, Tennessee. I am having a recent or not so recent itch to transition careers. And the career that I want to transition into is cooking. Cooking is always something that I've wanted to do. I watched Food Network for fun when I was a kid, but right now I'm already in my second career and I'm 26 years old and I'm not happy, but cooking is something that makes me super happy and doesn't stress me out. Although I'm sure having a job in cooking will bring some stress, but I think it's what I want to do and I'm just not really sure how to go about it. So if you have any advice on where to start, that would be awesome. Hope you're staying safe in quarantine. Thank you for your podcast. It's been super inspiring. I've been listening to it on all of my long walks here in Nashville, and I can't wait to hear more. Thank you. Hi, Katie. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Do it. Jump in. I couldn't be more supportive of this. Here's what I will say up front. Don't quit your job. You got to keep your job right now and save as much money as humanly possible. Because when you switch careers and you start something that might not pay very much up front, you need to have some money saved up. For example, when I started What's Gabby Cooking, I was working as a private chef and I did them at the same time for three years, basically, I had very a very small social life and I was working all the time. But all the money I made from being a private chef, I was able to save with the exception of paying my rent and bills. So when I quit private chefing, I had extra money saved up so I could afford to take a risk on my new career. So I think that's important to just say upfront. Second thing I would do, it really depends where you want to go. Do you want to be a food blogger? Do you want to be a cookbook author? Do you want to be a caterer, a private chef? Do you want to own restaurants or cafes? You know, there's so many different things in the food world. I would say pick a couple of those that interest you and then reach out to people who are doing those jobs and ask them for kind of like an informational interview. Like remember when we all did that when we graduated college? I remember our counseling center asked us to reach out to people in the business world to talk about them wherever you wanted to live. And we just had like informal coffee. You could do a Zoom chat. I'm sure 
people would be happy to give you 20, 30 minutes of their time and just talk about their career path, maybe the perks of their job, the things that suck about their job, just so you can kind of learn a little bit more before you really pick an avenue. And then once you know where you want to go, like let's say you want to get into catering, find a local caterer and ask them if you can shadow them or if they need any unpaid help for a weekend so you can kind of get your feet wet and see what it's like before you make the jump full time. I think that's really important. And then I think the other key is when you find a new industry you want to be in, you have to immerse yourself in everything there is to know about food. So you have to read all the food publications online. They're free. Like just read the free stuff. You don't need to subscribe to anything. Talk to people, like do research on people who you admire and how they got started. I think those are all really key things. When I was getting into the food world, I I mean, I still do, but I was just consuming so much food content across all channels and platforms because I needed, I just wanted to know everything. So I think that's really important in getting started. And you can also email me. I'm happy to like hop on 15, 20 minute Zoom and like chat about stuff like this all the time. People who say no to that suck. (laughs) Okay. I think it's really important to pay it forward. There certainly were people that helped me get to where I am. So here, if you need me, let me know. Hi, Gabby. My name is Trisha. I'm from Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for your podcast. It's one of my favorite things I look forward to during quarantine. Um, And here's my question. I have some frozen shrimp and most of the ingredients to make paella. So I was going to attempt one of your recipes and I was wondering if you have some advice for making it. I tried making it like a couple years ago and my rice turned out super mushy and so I never tried it again. Thank you so much. I hope you and Thomas continue to stay healthy. Take care. Hi, Trisha. Oh my God, I would crush a paella right now. Okay, so a couple things. The rice for a paella, you need a short grain rice. In Spain, it's called arroz. Okay, I'm going to butcher this. I got to slow down. Arroz redonda. (laughs) Man, I haven't spoken Spanish in a long time. But the key is a short grain rice. There are two paella recipes on my website. One is for a seafood, one's for a vegetarian paella, which I get it. Like if you're Spanish, you're going to yell at me for not having seafood in it, but whatever. It's delicious. But the short grain rice is key. Now let's talk about the frozen shrimp. Since the frozen shrimp. Oh, did you tell me if it was cooked or not cooked? I'm going to tell you this answer both ways because I know some people have cooked frozen shrimp and uncooked frozen shrimp. So when you're cooking frozen shrimp, when it's uncooked and you need to cook it, you need to thaw it, blot it dry, and then you can follow the recipe on my site to a T, no problem. If you have cooked frozen shrimp, you need to thaw them out, blot them dry. And what I would do is toss it in a little bit of like a, and the vegetable paella on my site, there's also like an herb situation that you can drizzle on top. You want to drizzle that onto the shrimp. And then at the very, very end, you just want to nestle the shrimp into the rice because you don't want to continue to cook them. You just want to warm them through. So most people would tell you to add the shrimp X number of minutes before it was done. You probably just want to add your shrimp two minutes before it's done. That way the heat from the rice infuses the used to be frozen shrimp that's already cooked with some heat. And you've got the flavor from that, uh, like herb vinaigrette. Basically, it's basically like a salsa verde is what I would drizzle it with. And then you should be good to go. You can get paella rice online very easily. There are lots of different varieties. Just be sure to look for the short grain because that will change everything. Hey, Gabby, this is Alexis from DC. Um, I'm calling because I have two questions and they relate to your um, bacon French onion dip in the new 
cookbook. The first question I have, it says it calls for three large shallots. And I've always wondered, is that the clove of a shallot or is that the whole shallot? Um, you know, do is it like garlic or when it calls for a clove of garlic, you just take a piece off? Um, so that's the first question. The other, I guess, is having to chop up two pounds of the onions and these shallots is really hard <laughs> for me because I just keep crying. Do you have any tips for how to keep your eyes from tearing up while chopping onions? I'd love to hear from you, and I can't wait um, to see you when we reschedule uh, the Bethesda book tour. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, Alexis. Oh my gosh. That recipe in my cookbook, the French, oh, bacon, French onion dip. It's so, it's so good. Yes. You have to chop up two pounds of onions. It's a total pain in the ass, but like, what's that saying? Not all good things come easy. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So shallots. Typically I would say 99% of recipe developers, when they call for one shallot, it's the whole shallot. It's not quite the same as garlic because garlic has like 10 to 12 cloves per head. Shallot is usually one, sometimes two. The ones that have two like distinct bulbs on it are like a massive shallot. I try to look for a medium-sized shallot. You can see there's usually just one bulb. It's like kind of thin. It's not fat. It's not like, you know, I'll find a picture of this and post it on my stories next time I get some in my CSA or something. But yeah, one shallot is just the whole thing, root to tip, whole thing. As far as chopping shallots and onions, the key to not crying is definitely a sharp knife. And I'm guilty of this all the time. I don't sharpen my knives nearly enough. But if you go to the master list, there's a, on my website, there's a knife sharpener on there that works for most all brands. It's not that expensive and it really keeps your knives super sharp and great for years. Like you want your knives to last forever. You can also take them somewhere to get them sharpened. I know at the farmer's markets, there are a lot of knife sharpening trucks that you could drop your knives off at, walk the farmer's market if it's open after quarantine, whatever it is. And that sharp knife is going to make chopping onions a lot easier because you're not like puncturing the skin as much per se. Like you're not making the onions sweat or bleed, which is when all the aromas and like, I'm trying to think of the word. It's when everything is released that makes you cry. Also, I have friends that wear onion goggles and I am not opposed to them. Like you got to do what you got to do to make that French onion dip because it's so good. But get a knife sharpener. I think everybody should have one. Like you need a great knife and a knife sharpener and you're set for so many things. Hi, Gabby. I'm Samantha from Tucson, Arizona. I get a meat delivery service and because of substitutions that they have to make right now, I ended up with five packages of ground pork. So I was wondering if you have any suggestions of what I can make with it. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Samantha. Oh my God. And hi, Tucson. I miss Tucson. It's where I grew up. Okay. Let's talk about ground pork because there are a ton of things you can do with it. One, you freeze some of it. You don't need all of it right now. I'm guessing it freezes really well. On my website, I'm going to link all these in the show notes, but the spicy beef larb with coconut rice is excellent with ground pork. There are a couple of recipes on my site that call for just ground pork. The Asian pork meatball bowls are amazing. And also the Korean meatball rice bowls, totally different flavor profiles. Both use pork. Pork is so freaking delicious. Also on my website, the perfect Italian meatballs call for a portion of pork and the other is ground beef. You could replace that entirely and just do the full meatball. Also with all these meatball recipes, you could make the batch 
freeze some of them and then reheat them. A couple other things, if you want to make like a ragu, like a bolognese sauce, that can be done with ground pork and you can also freeze that. And I think those are, oh, oh, duh, spicy fried rice. If you just sauteed the pork, like if you put it in a heavy bottom cast iron skillet, saute the crap out of it so it gets like really crusty and golden and then remove it. Make your fried rice like the spicy fried rice on my website already and then fold it all together at the end with you adding all the soy sauce and whatnot. That would be epic. Oh my God. So good. All right, guys, we're going back to the tahini train because it was so popular and we all just need tahini. And I wanted to support another super cool small company that I have been ordering from for years. It's called Seedin. Sorry, this is hard when you have a list. Seedin Mill, <laughs> S-E-E-D and Mill. It's organic tahini. It's made in New York. It, it well, the company is based in New York and it is phenomenal tahini. So if you're obsessed like I am and you make hummus on the daily you can order it from Seed and Mill. They also have other things that are available, like they have uh, Zatar, which is amazing. And then they have a spice trio that I'm obsessed with. It's a little bit more expensive, but the Zatar can do no wrong. Like you can put that on everything from hummus to pita bread and all these different things. If you're looking to build out your spice cabinet, that would be an amazing addition. So check them out, seedandmill.com. You will not be disappointed. Sometimes they also have like a giant tub of tahini for sale on their website. So keep your eyes peeled. It's not there right now. But like, would you just thrive with a 20 pound tub of tahini? Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. All right, that's it for today's What's Gobby Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future until quarantine is over. <laughs> if you have any questions that you want answered, give me a call, 888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you have a super cool small company you know about that deserves to be highlighted, leave it as a voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gobby Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out whatsgobbycooking.com. And I will talk to you guys very soon. Bye.